Hi, and welcome back uh, to Edifying the Saints podcast. I am Bob, joined here with Matt and Todd. Uh, and we are coming to you from Grand Rapids, Michigan, uh, located in Maranatha Bible Church. Uh, we are glad that you're able to join us today. Uh, we are continuing our series through the common issues which plague every believer and uh, looking at the weights and the sin which easily ensnare us coming from uh, Hebrews chapter 12. And uh, this week, as I said, we're just going to keep talking about these uh, almost acceptable sins, as Jerry Bridges says, um, and some that are quite obvious. Other ones, like the one we're going to talk about today, can be a bit more subtle in the way that it, uh, it comes out. And so we're going to talk about covetousness. Not a word in our modern-day vernacular. People don't walk around saying, hey, I covet this or I covet that. Um, it's not something that's used all the time. So I think we should spend a little bit uh, of time at the beginning here to give a good definition and what we're working out of. So how would you define that to people? Yeah, I think it's uh, kind of identified in the expression, you know, the grass is always greener on the other side. I think that's probably an idiom we've heard before. Um, it's just the idea of, you know, you're longing for something that someone else has, whether it's something tangible like um, house, car, you know, money in the bank accounts, uh, or even something intangible. And I think this is kind of where we'll talk a little bit about how it can be very subtle, things like talents and, and gifts, particularly thinking within the context of the church. Um, but, but just generally, it's saying, hey, this person has something and I want it. Um, it would kind of just be the base definition. I think you used a couple of words in your definition that are critical. Longing, desire, want. So when we talk about this vice, we're really talking about something, as all sins do, be begins in the heart. And it's something that is, is resident within our heart, inside of us, deep inside where we want what someone else has. And so it's not just merely a, you know, a bad external thing. It's, it's a vice that begins in our heart with a craving and a lusting and a wanting and a desiring. Uh, and that's why it's such a subtle issue. You use the word mm -hmm. subtle. It is so subtle because sometimes this, and oftentimes this does happen without anyone noticing it. Even yourself. Mm -hmm. Even ourselves, <clears throat> we can fall prey to the yeah. deceptiveness of our own heart. And so that's what makes it such a, a, a difficult sin to diagnose, but also a very deadly, very serious sin if it takes root in our hearts. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's one of those sin sins that, you know, we talk about root issues versus fruit issue. And when you take covetousness or having a, a heart that is just full of this, is you may have 10 different ways this comes out. And some of those ways it's coming out. You may say, well, this guy is really driven or he's having communication problems or, you know, all, all, you can say a myriad of different fruit. But when you boil it all down, it's, it's that desire to have what somebody else has. And what is interesting is some of the original definitions would actually say desiring what other person has, even to the extreme that you don't want them to have it. So you're not just desiring to have that thing, but you are you are just so into having what they have that you hate the fact that they have it too. And so you can start to see how this thing starts to snowball and really take over. Um, and so the rise of this, and I think especially within the, the Christian community, we see it on social media and we see people when they're, you know, posting their, their best life now on um, Instagram and Facebook and all these different places. And you see that 
and now you want whatever they're doing or you know i suppose people take pictures of food and so you know you're looking at that nice rack of ribs that's right there and Manny's dying for that barbecue um you know and so we see this rising in our heart and then what happens is we start to act on those desires and that's when we start to see the sin coming out so it's not it's it's related to jealousy but it's mm. a little different yeah it's it, actually worse i would say yeah the jealousy <clears throat> is the the heart desire for something the covetousness then mm. is the the steps you might take to get the very mm. thing that your heart mm. is desiring it's interesting that in um the 10 commandments the 10th commandment as we all know you shall not cover your neighbor's house nor shall you covet your neighbor's wife or his male servant or his female servant or his ox or his donkey or anything that belongs to him. And if you just quickly fleshed that out, you shall not desire your neighbor's wife. That's lust for someone who is not yours. Mm. It's lusting outside of the marriage. Mm. Then you're not to like or, or want your neighbor's male servant or female servant that's a status issue more servants means more mm. you know financial depend independence and so you're craving that and then he says nor shall you desire their ox or their donkey so now you're craving uh not only the animals but you're craving their livelihood mm. they've mm. they've made some money they've established a, a job a, they're working a, animals a, a, exactly a career yeah. that speaks of their status and their livelihood so you're now you're craving that and then the last one or anything that belongs to your neighbor that's possessions yeah <laughs> so it's like the 10th commandment covers this whole gamut of things that we might crave a person uh, a status, a financial position, their actual possessions, mm -hmm. and it seems like he's covering the, uh, the 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 whole range of things that we could crave after. Yeah, that's why we live in the neighborhood we do. So nobody has any <laughs> male or female servants, and you can't have donkeys. Yeah, but those so. those ox running around. Yeah, your well, the ox they are tempting. <laughs> but, uh, and so, how do we usually hide this? So so. You know, you might say, okay, yeah, I've got these desires in my heart, or uh, how do I, you know, how, how am I, how, how does somebody hide this? Because we talk about the subtlety of it. And so there is a way of, of working around, like I said, we, we've, we're really good at renaming sin, right? And so talk about some ways that we might not even realize that we're sinning because we're hiding this desire in our heart. I think you had said it earlier, you know, some, some people characterize this as, you know, this, these are the things that drive them, right? I, uh, you had mentioned social media, but I think too, just in the age that we live in, we live in an age of celebrity, where mm. essentially these these people's lifestyles have been put on display, and really these are the goal, right? These these are the things that you need to attain to. You need to what was it keep up with the Kardashians, uh, or whatever it is. I don't actually watch that show. That's about as much as I know about it. Um, but but you can just see like these, these people have been put as kind of the the posters of of what success mm. in life is. So it's naturally going to create in this this desire for what they have. Um, but it's it's going to come out and no, I'm just, I'm just driven to to this goal and um, it's it's really just putting the the wrong waypoints in place that we're supposed to be striving to. But but yeah, I think you had mentioned it earlier just that that idea of drive, determination, planning for the future um, can can all kind of be the labels we put over this. I think it's hard to notice too because our, our culture caters to this. Mm. I think the whole, we've said this before, but the whole advertising enterprise is built on covetousness. It is. Right? Why are there commercials? Why are there advertisements on TV? To get and you to want something. To get you to want <laughs> yeah. something, to yeah. make you discontent, yeah. to feed your desire for something you don't have so you go and buy it and they make money. And that, that's what drives that system. Mm. 
So it's hard for us, I think, to perceive it at times because it's almost like the air we breathe. You don't recognize the air you breathe because it's just so natural and and it's so accustomed. We're so accustomed to this mentality in our culture that we fail to recognize it. I think when our hearts begin to crave it, and we just justify it. It's easy to justify uh, thinking I want this or I deserve this, or we, we can fall into this, you know, entitlement mentality that so captures our our society. And so we have to be careful and, and diagnose our hearts mm-hmm. and not just let ourselves fall in with the line and the thinking of our day. Yeah. Yeah, I think with this too is uh, there's um, kind of a blurring of the lines between desires and needs. And I think we've gotten to a point in our society where we think, well, there's certain things I need to be happy. Um, you know, we think of actually in, in Ed Welsh's book, uh, When People Are Big and God is Small, he, he categorizes, gives us three categories for for needs. And he talks about, you know, biological needs, the things that we need physically to live, food, water, shelter. And then he talks about spiritual needs, the fact that we all need Christ. Um, but then he has this third category, which I thought was really interesting. It's psychological needs. And this is kind of where we start to, to blur the lines. You know, he says the, the list of psychological needs can be a long one, but they typically have to do with what we want. And he's talking about in the context of relationships, but he says with what we want. Mm. But we start classifying these things as, you know, if only I had this, then I would be happy. Mm. And we start bringing that over into the column of need um, because we see, well, you know, I, I deserve happiness and I'm not getting it because I don't have X, Y, Z. That's right. So I think that's, that's another good. way we can hide it, yeah. Absolutely. And so let's look at some biblical examples. There are a plethora. Um, but uh, uh, just looking at what the, the Bible has to say, and I'll start going all the way back to um, creation and then uh, Adam and Eve standing in the garden. And I, and I think a lot of times because we disconnect ourselves from the Old Testament, obviously we're not an agrarian culture. We're, you know, we're, we're not like them. But um, the thing that we should remember is that from Adam and Eve to us, the hearts remain the same. Like that hasn't changed. And so you read Genesis 3, 6, and, uh, you know, Satan has come to, to tempt Eve. And it says, when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, so all of a sudden she sees this tree. It's not as bad as what she thought it was going to be. God said, don't eat from it. And so she's like, wait a minute, it's not that bad. And it was a delight to the eyes, so now it started to look good. So now she didn't just see it, but now she's taking it in. So there's a different Hebrew word there. And so she's not just cursory looking at it, but now it's actually delightful to her. She enjoys looking at it. And then it says that the tree was desirable to make one wise. So now she's Mm. starting to not just look at it, ponder it, but now she's desiring that thing. And she took from its fruit and she ate. She gave it to her husband who was with her. And so... You start to see how that comes in, how did she coveted what was there. More than she desired to please God, she desired to have the thing that was in front of her. Mm-hmm. And that's obviously bringing all of mankind under the bondage of sin. Yeah, you can come to the New Testament and you can look at Jesus' temptations. And you remember uh, Satan takes him and mm-hmm. and presents some uh, serious temptations to Christ. And the last one is, again, the devil took him to a very high mountain, showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. And he said to him, all these things will I give you if you will fall down and worship me. What's he doing? He is trying to appeal. I mean, there's nothing in Christ to appeal to because he's perfect, but he was trying to appeal to this innate inner desire for things, for possessions for fame for recognition and so it was covetousness that really drove that last temptation of of bring that down into the everyday life now because satan's not offering us 
the kingdoms, kingdoms, right? But what is he doing? Hey, if you if you give a little bit here, you're going to have this. You know, in your job, you kind of mess around with these numbers a little bit or you, you know, you take an extra break or, you know, whatever that is, or maybe with your marriage or maybe with your kids, you just do these little things here. I promise you this is really going to turn out for your benefit. Yeah, we, we're all reading together as a staff right now, Precious Remedies for Satan's Devices. And, you know, one of the first things he says in that book is one of Satan's devices is to show you the bait but not the hook. That's brilliant. Isn't that a brilliant word picture? He'll show you the bait. He'll make it attractive. He'll dress it up. It'll be brightly colored. It'll just cater to your fleshly desi- desires. But right in the middle of that thing is a hook that you're not going to see. That's right. And that's what covetousness is. It is that mm-hmm. Satan will oftentimes use circumstances and in life to get your heart to crave things, and all you see is the bait, all you see is the desire, and you want that, and yet you don't see the hook that's in the middle of it. Very d- dangerous. Very good. Yeah, you know, we just uh, not too long ago did a um, the topic of worldliness, right? Yeah. We looked at First John two, and what are the things that he says here? For all that is in the world, this is in ch- uh, verse sixteen of chapter two. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes and the boastful pride of life is not from the Father, but is from the world. So you mm. can almost see covetousness is the is is what leads us into worldliness. Yeah, that's right. It's that that heart desire for the things of the world. So then we're willing to give up on our convictions. We're willing to take steps into the world because we see that these things are delightful to the eyes, right. and we want to fulfill the desires of our flesh. That's good. I'll just do this last one. I, I find it fascinating. You know, we all know the story of Achan as he's going into the promised land in Joshua 7.21. And this is Achan recounting what happened when he's confronted with it. And he says, when I saw, and so people don't realize, like, this is this is so key. What are you fixing your gaze on? That's yeah. what the Bible says, you know, fix your eyes on Christ, the author and perfecter of our faith, whatever. So when I saw among the spoil a beautiful mantle from Shinar, 200 shekels of silver, a bar of gold, 50 shekels in weight, he said, when I saw, then I coveted them. Mm. And so he saw them. He saw how beautiful they were. He saw how valuable they were. And instead of desiring what God had for him, he desired that. So he started to covet that. And the very next phrase, and took them. And so not only did he see them, he saw how awesome they were. He then coveted them. And so then he acted on that and he took them. And the amazing thing is, oftentimes this is what happens too, is how this ends. It doesn't say I took them and proudly displayed them on my mantle. He said I took them and concealed them. Because in his heart, he knew what he had done is wrong. But because he desired that sin more than he desired to please God, he did it and then he tried to cover it up. Mm. Interesting. One other example is this this was the vice that Paul came to recognize when he was a believer. I think Romans 7, he's a believer. He says, when I... When I first came to understand the law, I didn't think I was a coveter until the law came, and then I realized how covetousness, my, how covetous my heart was. So it's interesting. He could have picked any <laughs> right? vice to talk about how the law convicted him, but it was this one. It was this one. It was this in which shows you that even in the Apostle Paul, I mean, pretty holy, godly guy. Yeah. I mean, you know, Pharisee of Pharisees. <laughs> but even the, he struggled yeah. with yeah. this whole issue of covetousness. And so I just think mm-hmm. it all underscores how, how subtle and deceptive it really is. Yeah, and he didn't live in the age of multimedia marketing right. and so on and so forth. So then after explaining all this, looking in the Bible a little bit, uh, why is this such a heinous sin? So 
why is it that this is a sin that rises to the top that we're speaking of like this? I think one of the most critical things we have to realize is, you know, we, we say God is sovereign, God is in control, God is good, God is loving, but he didn't give me everything that I wanted. <laughs> there were still a few things he missed. It's okay. He probably just, no, it's, it's giving us a deficient view of who God is mm. and, and really saying he's not as good as the Bible claims he is. You know, Matthew uh, 6 tells us, or Matthew 7 says, or no, Matthew 6, he says, you know, your father knows that you need these things. Mm. He, he knows the things that we need. But we're saying, no, I actually need a little bit more. Um, he, he must have missed that. So I, I think uh, our very view of God is at stake when we're coveting these things, particularly as we think of worldly things. It, it's even more dangerous. But mm. I think that's where we first have to start is our view of God. Which makes it idolatry. Yeah. That's essentially what it is, mm. is, is uh, you stated it very well, Matt. You're craving for something that God has not given you. Mm-hmm. So you are, we used this definition a couple of weeks ago, th- this is what sin is. It is a, a deification of self and a dethronement of God. So you have said, Lord, uh, you have not given me what I wanted. So you have put yourself in position of God. You have deified yourself and you have taken God off of his throne and said, you don't deserve to be on the throne. I know what I need. You've not done that. And so that's essentially what the core root of the sin of covetousness is. As we've said, God, you don't know what I need. You've taken him off his throne. You've put yourself on the throne. And you said, this is what I deserve and this is what I need, which is the uh, essence of idolatry. Hmm. Serious. Yeah, it's amazing, isn't it? Like, and, and my, Matt, I like you know how you, how you uh, explain that and how often we will say, we love God, we trust God, and God's sovereign, and you know the, the providence of God. We use all our big theological terms. And then I heard a pastor say once, and there's a big but, I think I heard once. Um, but I, don't, I, I actually need a little bit more in this area. God's really good, and God's great, and I worship Him on Sundays and Wednesdays and all these things, but He obviously doesn't know all that I need. And so I'm going to go ahead and take these other things under my own control. God's going to take care of what he takes care of. He's got the big stuff. He doesn't have a time for the little things. I'm going to take care of the little things. And we, we do that almost automatically. Um, and we, we think, okay, God's taken us so far. Now it's our responsibility to take ourselves the rest of the way, the whole time claiming that God's in full control. Mm. And, uh, and it is a very deficient view of God because if there is anything that you need to make you more like Christ, you have it. Mm. And if you're not supposed to have it now, you will have it when you need it mm. according to God's timing. And uh, if you can just rest your head on that, knowing that what you have and where you are is exactly where you're supposed to be, then that mm. covetousness just leaves your heart because you're you're satisfied with what you have. Yeah, yeah, Matt, you used um, you know a word. We're not trusting God's goodness <clears throat> in the moments that we're coveting, and so you, you can't be thankful and covetous at the same time, <laughs> right? You can't be right. saying, "Lord, I'm so thankful. You're so good to me. You're so faithful to me. You're so kind to me." You have been abundantly merciful to me. I am so thankful. And at the same time, say, I really want that job. I want more. That career, that money, that those possessions, that status. Yeah. They're mutually exclusive. They are. So when we allow covetousness to, to take root in our heart, we essentially drive a spirit of gratitude out, which is heinous to the Lord because 
we're to rejoice at all things. We're to be thankful in all things. We're mm -hmm. to be content in all circumstances. Right. And so that, that's what makes it so subtle and so dangerous and so heinous mm -hmm. is you can't be thanking God for his goodness to you. At the same time, you're shaking your finger in his face saying, you haven't given me what I want or desire. Yeah, because ultimately, you know, if you were to sum that all up in one sentence, I am saying that I am taking God off of his throne. I'm putting myself on the throne because I know what's best for me. Exactly. Right? And so that's when we get in danger. So then we have to ask ourselves, okay, so, um, you know, we defined it. We've, we've looked at it. Um, then the main question is, how do we combat this? And, and I think, Todd, you'd said at the beginning um, something along the lines like this is something that you're just going to be struggling with, right? So it is something that you can have victory in. It's something you can, you can certainly uh, walk in such a way that you're able to fend those things off. But we have to be cognizant of what's going on in our own heart at all times. So we're not just taking a break. Uh, and so what are some ways that we can be actively combating the sin as we're walking in progressive sanctification? Well, I, I thought it was so good what you said, Todd, about the idea of being thankful. And, you know, I think of just the idea of anxiety, right? I mean, this is this is probably one of the common kind of fruits that can come with covetousness. If, you know, if we, if we think we don't have what we need, we're going to be anxious. We're going to think, you know, you know, God's you know, doesn't doesn't know our needs. You know, there's, there's something lacking. Um, but I love what you know, Paul says in Philippians 4, he says, Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication. So that idea of, of asking God, of bringing our request before God, but he say, with thanksgiving, mm. let your request be made known yeah. to God and the peace of God, which surpasses all comprehension, which that's a small phrase that means a whole lot. Yeah. <laughs> the peace of God that surpasses all comprehensions will comfort your, or guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. So I think, I think being thankful for what we have um, is, is a great way to not focus on what we don't have. Um, and then, I mean, that, that'll get us to then contentment, just being content with what the Lord has blessed us with, really knowing what we actually deserve, um, I think would, would uh, just bring in our hearts an idea of thankfulness. You know, we deserve hell, we deserve wrath. We've been given grace upon grace upon mercy, and um, we, above all, as, as believers, should be the most thankful people in the world. Yeah. Yeah, to add to what you're saying, um, you guys know we just lost a godly saint at our church uh, here a couple of weeks mm -hmm. ago, had his memorial service here. And one of the things he told me many times is, you know, he said, Todd, I just want to I just want to run the race that the Lord has given me. Uh, from Hebrews 12, actually mm -hmm. the text that we're basing this whole series on. Yeah. And his point was, I'm not looking at how other people are running their race. I'm not looking at what race they have to run. I'm not looking at how God has blessed them in their race or how he supposedly hasn't blessed me in my race. His whole point was, God's given me a race to run and I'm just going to run that race uh, faithfully. And I think that's such a good and helpful perspective on the Christian life. If God wants me to have it and I need to have it, the Lord will provide I'm not here to wish what someone else has. I just want to run the race and be faithful to what the Lord has given me to do and to be. And that is the heart of contentment and mm -hmm. gratitude like you're talking about. And so yeah. it comes down to God's sovereignty, a trust in Him, a, a thankfulness for what He's done, a confident, robust trust in His goodness. And so it really does come down to your view of God. You mm -hmm. know, is he, Does He know what He's doing? Is He on His throne? Uh, does, is He aware of what I need? So really it does come back to a right view of God and His... Uh, rule and reign in my life. Yeah, part of that right view of God is that, uh, you know, 1 Corinthians 6 and uh, verse 9 he says, Or do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? And then he goes on to actually 
um, define who the unrighteous are. And he goes through, right, uh, fornicators, idolaters, adulterers, the effeminate, homosexuals, thieves, nor the covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. Hmm. And so having a right view of God not only entails the fact that he's in control, but it also entails the fact that this is a sin that is punishable by keeping you out of the kingdom of mm -hmm. God. So if this is a sin that is plaguing you, you have to ask yourself, hey, uh, first of all, am I doing all I can to combat this sin? Do I understand the heinousness of this sin? And number two is, you know, am I born again? And if you are born again, then you have the Holy Spirit living inside of you, and this is a sin that you can combat. But our sanctification is is uh, not monergistic, right? Like it's synergistic. There's, there's two working, you and the Holy Spirit, through the Word of God, empowering you by His grace to die to that sin yeah. and to continue working. And so that's what we have to be relying on is the Holy Spirit in our life because we don't want to get to the end of the road. We don't want to get to the end of the race and realize, oh, wait, um, I wasn't saved. Yeah. Because that's the worst thing that could happen, deceiving yourself. And that's what Paul says there, do not be deceived. Mm. These sins are not to be played with, so to speak. Yeah, and it's like mm. any other vice that we're talking about here. There's got to be a put off and a put on. Right. So on the one hand, we have to mortify covetousness. We have to kill it. We have to you know, arrest that sin. We have to put it to death when we recognize it in our hearts. And then in its place, we have to put on the corresponding virtue. That's what biblical sanctification is, right. putting off and putting on. So what is the virtue that corresponds to covetousness? It's contentment, it's giving, it's thankfulness, gratitude. So in those moments, you're, we're talking about this as a heart battle. You arrest those covetous thoughts. That's right. And in its place, you express gratitude and thanks to the Lord, and you look for ways to hold your things, talents, time, possession loosely, and use that to, to serve others, give, meet the needs of others. That's what it looks like. That's right. So, because who owns all these things anyway? Exactly. <laughs> it's God. You're just a steward of them. Yeah. 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 yeah, the idea of stewardship I think is so helpful because... These things that we're desiring for ourselves, uh, they're, they're, I mean, at best, they're earthly things that are going to burn up. Right. So that's why, you know, he says, seek the things above, you know, seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. That's good. That's good. Well, guys, I hope that was helpful. Uh, we uh, uh, just trying to hit on some of these things that are common to all believers. Um, and we hope that uh, as we go through this and uh, let the word of God work in your heart. So if you guys have any questions or comments or anything else uh, along these lines, please feel free to let us know. Otherwise, I hope you have a good rest of your day.